2: And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're at in the world today. It could be any one of 212 countries that regularly visit the Daily Spell and all the parts beyond. And I'm your host tonight, Ed uh, Correll. And uh, welcoming you to this week uh, on the Pagan Tonight Radio Network with Rock the Retrograde. We'll be joined by... Um, Reverend Don Lewis and others, as this evening rolls on. And what is the rock, the retrograde? Well, it is our ability to say, hey, this, you know, it may be a retrograde, but we don't have to be upset about it. Um, and with that, and tonight I have like a very special guest who, uh who is actually there all the time. Hi, Don, are you there?
1: I am here, yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're here for the retrograde, and so I'm going to start this right off at the beginning is that um, the, the retrograde holds absolute terror for people. I've noticed of all of these things in astrology, you know three things. You know, you know your astrology, you know your astrological sign, you generally know your moon or your rising sign, and you know about Mercury retrograde. So what is it about Mercury retrograde that is so horrifying to people?
1: Uh, <laughs> you're, asking, you're asking me this. Um,
2: well, no, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think you, that I like a lot
1: of things. Well, go ahead.
2: Well, I, I, I guess I may ask that. I do know that you do some astrology. Oh and yeah. That you do know a lot of what people think about in the magical world. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you dealt with Mercury Retrograde? Do you find that it particularly difficult for people?
1: Well, you know, I'm not going to say that Mercury Retrograde isn't a thing, but I, th- I think that what people do is they treat it as an excuse for things that have nothing to do with it. I think there are a lot of people who, uh, who do that with a lot of different things in life. In, in the metaphysical world, we see it with Ouija boards a lot as well. Um, And you see it also with with more mainstream superstitions like Friday the 13th. Um, There are some people who will get very very, um, upset over the number 13 in many different circumstances and others for whom it makes no difference whatsoever. Mercury retrograde is is an astrological condition that does have certain, um, certain properties. It affects things that are governed by the planet Mercury. And it tends to bring forward problems in those areas so that they can be addressed. Um, however, in bringing forward those problems, it often seems like, a, like, like things in those areas are going haywire. Um, but, you know, it depends again, how you look at it. You can look at it as things going wrong. You can look at it as things coming forward to be fixed, but it's not across the board. It's only in things that are, are connected to mercury. And, you 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 find people who regard Mercury retrograde as being carte blanche to blame anything that's wrong on Mercury retrograde, including things that are nowhere near anything governed by Mercury. And um, I think people use it as an excuse a great deal uh, for things that has nothing to do with. Boy, that's a real that <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the other thing thing also is that even those things that it does influence, um, you know, the whole point of studying astrology, the whole point of studying metaphysics is that you can influence the things that are going on. And so you don't just um, throw up your hands and say, oh, my God, Mercury retrograde. Um, You you take common sense uh, precautions In those areas that that it does in fact affect.
2: So you're saying that the fact that I'm in a bomb shelter, well, actually, I'm not in a bomb shelter. I do know some people who enter their mercury retrograde bomb shelters, and they're on day two of yeah. the 31 day watch. And yes, so they they're barricaded themselves plenty? under the bed, under the bed in in their basement. Um. Oh with lots and lots of, you know, of, of of good things to eat because, well, mice, never mind. <laughs> so you're saying yeah. for them to blame the, the mercury retrograde on all of these problems instead of themselves is, like, ridiculous? That's terrible. We have to blame someone because we can't be at all responsible for our own life.
1: I mean That does seem to seriously. be a human instinct. But um,
2: Well I have no power uh, over astro- astrological things I mean I literally have no power over Mercury But it seems to have a great deal of power over me I have no power over the moon But it seems to have a great deal of power over me I mean isn't that what the whole point is That where I was born My astrology of when I was born Seems to be uh, affect things more than, um, than anything else I mean I can't control any of that
3: Well, yeah, you like know, this, it's, like it's partly how you over. look
1: at it, too. Um, there's a famous story about the philosopher Socrates. And the story has to do with physiognomy, which is a whole different metaphysical thing. But it's, it's um, divination by physical characteristics. And the uh, philosopher Socrates famously consulted a physiognomist by the name of Zopterus who was very embarrassed to have to tell the great philosopher that to go by physiognomy, uh, he appeared to be basically a loudmouthed uh, idiot with, with no knowledge of anything or understanding and basically, um, basically a bore. And Socrates responded, you're right. That's exactly how I was until I studied philosophy. Uh, the point being that yes, we use these things to uh, To help us see parts of ourselves, but that doesn't make them immutable we We look for strengths and weaknesses so we can make them stronger or heal them altogether. It, it's not um, it's a technique that should be helping you to build yourself, not giving you an excuse to um, to wallow in problems. and this is true for Pretty, in my opinion, pretty much any of the, of the different spiritual disciplines. And if you look at them, they should, they should show you where you perhaps need work, where you perhaps can make improvement. Uh, but that um, does not mean that those things are there because they cannot be changed. They're there to point you to what you can change, what you can make better. And going back to Mercury retrograde, this is why I look at it as showing you um, those things which which are in need of being fixed or adjusted, um, which is um, I think a much more proactive way to look at it.
2: Man, you're bumming me out, Don. I mean, <laughs> seriously, all of this sounds like oh, this sounds like personal responsibility and. And and it's
1: personal horrible, isn't it? awareness. It
2: is truly horrible. Um, it's it's, well, you it's know, like
1: I, to me that's what the, what the whole name of the game is. I mean, all of this is there to help us to make ourselves better. And you know, you look. Sometimes you look you look at the metaphysical community, and uh, what can I what what can I say? It, it seems like very often evading personal responsibility. Um is it, more the priority than than growth and development
2: well I, it does go back to something that I believe now I've undercom so next week um I will be covering ten magical hacks that you can do hacks for magic how you can just really up your magic game and one of the mm-hmm. one of the rules is stop thinking local and linearly that basically most magic, most paganism, most of our beliefs are built to to be local and linear. Because that's been the successful way to live the last 150,000 years for the human mind. Really, everything Mm -hmm. that you did was like within a day's journey of yourself. And it was very local. And it was linear in the sense of, you know, my grandfather did it, I did this, uh, my children will likely do the same thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that we think in a lot of times in these very sort of local and linear ideas and I believe in some senses the idea of astrology especially the idea of our stars and having a a wider effect is one of our ways that we look beyond the idea of local and linear that we see something that's infinite the stars and we're trying to bring it to some sort of comprehension even though we share it over large scales but the truth is different astrologies are for different areas I mean, there is not one astrology. There is not one interpretation. Our great friend Alan will explained that every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take it, but we're going to take our first break. We're going to take a quick one because it is Mercury retrograde. We're going to play a quick little song uh, called Gnomes, and then we'll be returned. When we get back, we will be back with Reverend Don Lewis. I believe Reverend Laurie is going to join us, too.
3: Oh, very so, good. So,
2: re- really quick little uh, ditty. No.
4: As I was sitting in my chair, that's where I was the only one there. When a hazel branch put me in the head, and the coroner pronounced me dead. Seven years that I was gone. Dancing jigs and singing fairy songs. Now I'm back and you can see
3: I'm
4: a little bit human and a little fairy. Well, those notes took my brain, now would that they are insane. Cause I don't think there was no who thought as much as I did. Ha ha, the joke is not on. It's me, day oh, That little Once I was here and there and upwards, under, over, sideways, down, and I panicked in each moment as I jumped about the town. Now I'm neither here nor there, and I haven't got a care. it's me, rigidly, oh, why I don't think there was very no one who thought as much as I did. Ha ha, the joke is not on me, cause now I'm living merrily. With me, With really be oh, why did I? Nighting, nighting, oh,
2: Retrograde moments. My mic was actually turned off for that whole beautiful little opening <laughs> speech. Welcome back. That gnomes by Cecilia and so. One of the things uh, I, people talk about, Mercury retrogrades and everything else. And then we're here for rocking the retrograde, which we want to make your retrograde better. Because if there's somebody out there who's making a bad deal, maybe you can make the other side and make a good deal. Think about it. For every side of a, for every bad side of a coin, there's got to be a good side of a coin, doesn't there? And. Uh, so we ask, so, so what if I'm born during the Mercury retrograde? What if I was born during, like, my birth was, like, right on top of a Mercury retrograde? Does that make a difference?
1: Uh, that actually makes a huge difference. Um, and, again, bearing in mind that, that what Mercury retrograde really does is pulls things forward so that they can be addressed. But if you're born under Mercury retrograde, uh, mercury retrograde periods will actually tend to be more peaceful than not. Um, and you you will tend to be addressing those things at other times during your life. People who are bar- born under retrogrades tend to have um, particularly good periods during retrogrades. It, uh, it's so, when they feel most themselves, most at home, most on balance.
3: Because the it them to their natural state, so
2: we've been suffering from a lot of sort of astrological um circumstances, and over the last year and a half, I've noticed a, a big trend to see much more astrological information available to the public in the form of memes and other systems along the way.
1: I would agree with that.
2: And it seems to be like, well, we all know about the black moon. We won't talk about that today, but we all know about the, the origins of the black moon right here on Pegasus Night Radio. And the idea of dark moons and super moons. And can, can, did you have any insight to why this phenomena of suddenly like, even the Mercury retrograde, I've seen many more memes this time for Mercury retrograde. And if you're trying to follow the Mercury Retrograde, go to the Daily Spell on Facebook, or you want to find a little bit more, thedailyspell.com slash RR. And you follow us on the Mercury Retrograde as we cover it this time and try to figure out how to make it better for you. Um, yeah, do you have any insight to, to why that might be? I mean, that seems to be like a big thing now, isn't it?
1: Well, I think I think there are a couple of, of different things involved. One one is that people do like novelty. And I think that one of the things we're seeing is people um making astrology more and more complex than than it generally formerly was in previous years. But I think mm-hmm. I think if you're seeing more of this sort of thing, it's probably because the world is so out of control these days that people are looking for anything they can do to help them keep their balance and find their way. Um, It's a very chaotic time. It's a time with a lot of fear for a lot of people and very little reassurance anywhere. That makes sense. Do you think
2: people want reassurance?
1: I, th- I think they want reassurance on one hand, and I think they want um, something to blame on the other. That makes And sense. that kind of goes back to well, you know we can't possibly blame ourselves. Um, and in some, ca- in some cases, that isn't necessarily was um, that wouldn't necessarily be where the blame would lie, mm-hmm. but uh, it could be where the solutions would lie, if you weren't looking just for blame. I, I think that um I think something else that people, that that many people are doing is looking for ways to make excuses not to um, try to make things better but uh, to accept them as being um impossible to improve. The idea that nothing yeah. can be done. Which I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm but it seems to be a point well, of view many people are clinging to at present.
2: Right. You
1: know, we have a mess over here, but nothing can be done. Oh, oh, horrible things are happening happening over here, but nothing can be done. Um, if that's the way you're looking at things, of course you're going to look for scapegoats and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and explanations for why it's beyond your control. Right.
2: So you think that's part of it too?
1: I think that's that part of it. there's this
2: sort of this. Okay.
1: And, and One, I know none told, of these are true for every person, but there are lots of different people.
2: And I think that's true. I think people like to 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 tell their own stories, their own narratives, their own philosophy. They want mm-hmm. everybody's a hero of their own story. I think that's a, a truism that we don't tend. To recognize that often mm. I think people I don't think people understand that they are the heroes they're often cast themselves as the heroes of their own stories and if they're not the hero of this, their own story, who is are they a villain in it I think that's a, mm. an important filter to look at because I think Mercury retrograde has this sort of aspect to it that's almost comical. Meaning, oh mm-hmm. yay, my hair is on fire, and it's almost comic book shit. It's like a roller coaster ride, and I think people don't realize that they're playing. I don't know if they're playing as their own hero, as their own villain, or just the helpless bystander who's about to be crushed by the car that was just flung by the great villain Mercury Retrograde, waiting for their Superman or Superwoman to come save them. And that they. I think
1: there are various people playing all those parts. So, how much
2: control do you think people have over playing each of those individual parts? I mean, are, are, as do, much you as a, do you see this, yourself as a hero in your own story?
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Uh, I, th- I, I think too. that I that's think the I only
1: can... sensible way to pursue it.
2: Mm hmm. Um, and I think so too I think that a lot of people do it so so my next tip for people who are trying Mercury retrograde realize you are the hero of your story there isn't anybody else who's the hero of the story or if there's somebody else who's the hero of the story what's your role because you're not mm. the hero then what are you in your story
3: and I think that too well, you know there's nothing people... worse
1: than being a bit player in your own story at least from my point of view
2: does that, that can happen, right?
1: Mhm. There seem to be a lot um, of people who, who who choose to live their lives that way. And you know, I mean, everybody's in their own place. And um, so I'm not I'm not saying that every everybody should do exactly the same thing, but I I really never understood why you would not choose to be the lead player in your own story.
2: Well, that means you have responsibility.
1: It
2: mm-hmm. means you have a personal responsibility in that story. That it just doesn't happen to you. Now you have to do something because, after all, a hero is responsible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you really read the hero stories, they're not responsible. They're mostly reactive to things that are around them until such Mm -hmm. time as they realize that they're fed up and don't want to be pushed around anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that's, like, one of the most important things about the hero story is that eventually at some point they're getting tired of being pushed around and they say, no more.
3: Mm
2: Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I want to be in charge of this life. I need to do something different. I need to be better. And then they take a personal accountability. And with that, they tend to be able to change the life around them. And they're able Mm -hmm. to change their lives a lot of times. Not always, but a lot of times. And from that, so... So what things should we be watching out for, uh,
1: for Mercury
2: retrograde?
1: Well, Mercury rules communication, uh, paperwork, Mm -hmm. travel, um, all forms of communication. And those, those would be among the primary areas you should actually be looking for an influence during Mercury retrograde. Um, notoriously it's a time to be particularly careful with contracts uh but notice it doesn't say or that i don't say you can't do a contract you should be careful with your contract um mercury retrogrades are a time to to um make sure you have accurate directions if you're going on a trip Uh, but i wouldn't say that you shouldn't leave your house um and with communication, you know, you should you should think twice before posting that sarcastic comment on Facebook, because it's a, perhaps a little more more likely than usual to be taken the wrong way. Um, these would be areas where you'd look for something from Mercury. Uh, also, areas involving education. So,
0: that makes uh, sense me. Those would
1: be the places. Yeah. Um, and and okay. what, what okay. you would do is you'd be more careful and mindful of, um, of crossing your T's and dotting your I's, making sure that you've looked at the directions, or at least that you have them with you. But um, a lot of people treat mercury retrograde as if it, what, it, what it means is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's not Mercury. That's Murphy. That's a whole other paradigm. It's not called Murphy retrograde.
2: Now that's funny. <laughs> that's
0: funny. I never
2: thought of it that way. That really is really kind of a thing. So, so it's that's not kind of the a Mercury retrograde. issue. Huh?
1: That's the heart of the issue. It's a Mercury retrograde, not a Murphy retrograde.
2: And for those people who don't know what he's referencing, he's referencing the old adage of Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong.
1: Which is not and, astrological uh, at all.
2: No, that's bizarre, uh, bizarro, disappointed human behavior. Yeah. Oh, no, here comes Murphy's retrograde.
1: I like that. <laughs> Well, if you watch, a lot of people treat it that way. And we, we, we have personally known some people who, who virtually hid under their beds for the entire duration of any Mercury retrograde, which from my point of view is very counterproductive. It's not, it's not even what Mercury retrograde is about. Um, all right. So
2: all of those people who are in my basement, my Mercury retrograde basement, don't listen to Don. You need to pay me my a $100 a day to keep you safe. Um and don't worry the world will not pass you by um well, much. No, I I I kid, but uh no, it is. It's, it, it I I do swear that if I said I have really thought at times of making Mercury retrograde camp, I will isolate you from the world <laughs> for, for during the period of time.
1: I'm sure that will be no, Mhm. Um, and I'm not saying there's nothing to the to Mercury retrograde. I'm saying that it's much more limited in its effects than people want to credit it as. And if you're any kind of magic user at all, you should be able to counter them reasonably well by preparing and by and by bearing in mind what they are. I'll give you an example our our old friend rosemary fletcher one of the best psychics that i have ever known I, I think you would say the same she 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 did pay attention to mercury retrograde what she would do is that if she was driving during a mercury retrograde she would make it a point to have a white bow somewhere somewhere in her car on the premise that this was a charm that she she would charge to confuse the energies of the retrograde so that she could move through them without obstruction. Um, And although this isn't necessarily something I would do, it was very effective for her because it dealt with with her relationship with the retrograde in an effective way. And it was proactive, and she never had problems.
2: Well, that makes some sense. Tokenism and the ability to hold on to Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that makes a lot of sense out there. So, yeah, folks, you know, if you love what you're hearing and hear what you love, you know, I want to remind you all that, that we are doing a uh, drive if you really want to support us. You can join our sponsoring website, whichcool.com and we have a $5 a month membership. We bring you insights into all of this, brings us all of this great media and everything else. Um, we're going to go ahead and play uh, We're going to take about four minutes out for the New Age pain rag by Midnight Murphy round, uh, Rounders And when we get back, we're going to change up the subject a little bit I want to talk to Don about Art and uh, and Some ideas behind we'll, we'll still rock the retrograde But I, I want to talk about some of the things that is happening In his life, because you know, he doesn't get to talk much About his art, his way he does things You know, because we always see Him as this sort of thing, but you know, he's a great Artist and and we're going to talk a little bit about his art and some of that stuff when we get right back. But right now, we're going to take a break for new age pig and rag. I'm just in the kind of mood for something a little light, a little fluffy. And yes, hide under your bed. Mercury retrograde has arrived. And it's, a, it's as bad as Godzilla today. So we'll be right back. <laughs>
4: The moon is full, the stars are out, the astrology is right And everything about me says it's magic time tonight I'm gonna fill with power when the moon is at its height Put on my fancy necklace and tie my cords real tight Put on my priestess robe and wave my knife around in drag to the new age pagan rag.
5: went camping at a festival last year in late July, they had t-shirts there for sale, so expensive I could cry, my kilt was full of sweat because the temperature was high, but I wore that t-shirt proudly, I'm a pagan kind of guy, now I don't mean to complain, And I don't mean
3: to nag, but after six
5: full washes, all I got is a
0: New Age Pagan Rag. New Age Pagan Rag. New Age Pagan Rag. Get up and move, get in the groove. It's a New Age Pagan Rag. It's the latest old philosophy. It's the latest ancient bag. It's the New Age Pagan Rag.
3: New Age Pagan Rag.
0: I read it in the New Age Pagan Rag. New Age Pagan Rag. New Age Pagan Rag. Get up and move, get in the groove. It's the New Age Pagan Rag. It's the latest old philosophy. It's the latest ancient bag. It's the New Age Pagan Rag.
3: New Age Pagan Rag.
5: My priestess is a hot one. She goes sky-clad, don't you know? She's as real as it gets. She don't do nothing just for show. She calls the guy down into me. Calls quarters like a pro. She owns every book by Buckland, Janet Fair, and Gavin Bones. She's third-degree eclectic. I don't mean to brag, but every month or so she's on the New Age Pagan Rag. New Age
0: Pagan Rag, New Age Pagan Rag, get up and move, get in the groove. It's the New Age Pagan Rag, it's the latest old philosophy, it's the latest ancient bag. It's the New Age Pagan Rag. New age pagan rag, new age pagan rag, new age pagan rag. Get up and move, get in the groove. It's a new age pagan rag. It's the latest soul philosophy. It's the latest ancient bag. It's the new age pagan rag, new age pagan rag,
3: new age pagan rag.
2: And that is New Age Pagan Rag by Murphy's Midrat Rob And you know, I've read a few of those pagan New Age pagan New rags. Uh, Roundtable Magazine, Pagan Chicago, um, The Daily Spell in its own way. They're all those pagan rags where we bring up the latest philosophy today. And uh, mm-hmm. you've got a few of those rags too, haven't you, Don?
1: Yeah, quite a few actually. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, uh Will hegetate and all of that
1: so mm-hmm.
2: i want I want to take our little conversation in a different direction tonight, and you know first of all, rock the retrograde means you take advantage of any opportunity you have. I think one of the things I think people make a mistake is that they always see a lot of people see the negative
1: mhm,
2: but and they don't realize where there's negatives there's positives. I mean, I'm a big believer that you know, electrical flow is, is equal parts, electron, positive and negative neutro- uh, electrons moving in a proper flow. In fact, without that, you can't have an electrical circuit. You can't have electricity. You can't have a machine unless you have this sort of positive and negative flow. It just doesn't work. Hmm. And for some reason, people think that, uh, especially in the magical world, they're all positive, positive, positive. And let's be honest, if we do, then we find out, like, in the electrical world, that doesn't work. But can it work in the magical world? Do we have these sort of polarities? And so people, you know, ask it. But you you have done
1: something a little bit different.
2: You've looked to reconcile a lot of these
3: ideas. I I tend to be a believer
1: in the reconciliation of opposites, yeah.
2: And... um, I heard something that I thought was very interesting, that in some of the idea
1: uh,
2: in, in Zen is the uh, the opposites, which are, are impossible not to be, you know, they, they cannot exist without the other. That sort of dualism that is unintentional. Uh, mm-hmm. um, oh, I forget to raise it, but I don't watch it so well. Unidentifiable uh, or undifferentiated uh, variables. The idea is it's an opposite, but it, you need to have it to complete an act, such as you have one side of a coin doesn't, and we you, you can't have one side of a coin without another. You have to have two sides to a coin. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sell, so you don't we, have to have a buyer. And if you don't have a buyer, mm-hmm. you can't sell. So, it, so we have some of this idea of dualism.
1: Yes, I think the mistake that people make, and I think, I think it has cultural roots in the Judeo-Christian religion, perhaps some others, is that they assume that a duality um, means opposition, whereas it's often, oft, more often complementary. Just because there, there are two sides to a thing doesn't mean that they are necessarily in conflict. If you look at yin and yang, for example,
3: uh,
1: the, in, the yang energy goes outwards as far as it can, and then it turns back inwards and becomes yin. But they're not in opposition. They're, they're simply two different directions uh, of the same energy. Um, if you look at day and night, they're just different sides of the same planet. Um, and I think a lot of it is how you look at this and if you start to look for, for for the ways in which the polarities complement each other, I think you see the world in a very different light uh, versus if you're always looking for conflict. But I think people have been trained um, to look for the conflict, to imagine that that, that everything is in conflict.
3: And well, I think that goes back to met-
1: what we were saying earlier, because it's, it it uh, it allows them excuses. Uh, to not do the things that perhaps they ought to have done because everything was against them or or, um, or <laughs> Mercury was retrograde or the devil made them do it or whatever or they had accidentally gotten out on the 13th floor
2: absolutely so yeah no, and I, I or you know or, or crawled under a ladder uh, that's another one I So seeing. Yeah. So I guess one of the things is, is that one of the things we're starting to see in, in magic, and, and as you know, I'm deep into the cyber magic. And right now I think we're on a transitional phase between where technology and magic are merging in the way that they affect our minds.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: they may not be the exact way we get to the same conclusion, but the, what they do to our minds, very similar. And as I mentioned, the ANA Avatar Project is really, is my belief in synthetic astral projection. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about spirits commanding us. And, oh, how do you pronounce this? name? Michu Kaku, the scientist?
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: don't know if you know him. Know who I'm talking about. He does a lot of things. Uh, he's, a, he's a physicist and, and he's a major speaker and everything else. Okay. He said that we might be and he said people might, that other alien races might, and I don't agree with him completely because that would be really risky, but it does (laughs) weirdly match some of the other philosophies of the starborn and others, is that we might be seeing digitized personalities that what we may be seeing is aliens may not be traveling as physical entities, but in the form of, Basically, information on energy packets across the stars, and when they arrive, they basically digitize themselves at the other end, which is very interesting. Yeah, that, because they would that need seems
1: something. Very, that, yeah. to... What are you gonna say? I, I think that's very interesting.
2: It is, is that he's been claiming that they would digitize, and at the same time, they would need to be able to lock into something. First of all, I think mm-hmm. it would be very risky for any anybody to say, oh, I'm going to go to that primitive little planet and hope that when I get there, I get to receive unless there's something I don't fundamentally understand, how you reconstitute yourself. Or is it that, oh, I'm going to go possess a nervous system down there while I manifest myself, which would be a huge if that's true. That would explain, and, and if any is they are traveling that way, they would. It's one of those philosophies, I think, that explains a lot of things. Yeah, the idea, wait, an alien just took over my body, you know? Mm. At two levels, one, oh, my God, I can't possibly express everything I want to through this terrible interface. Oh, my God, how primitive (laughs) is it? What was I thinking? And two, um, oh, my God, where are all these thoughts coming from? But if the idea that our personalities – and the reason why this has become relevant, it, it becomes more than relevant, is literally – we're about to see – we saw a $10 million prize in the last two weeks go up for someone to create a system that's a predecessor of this light beam system, which is the ability to take over a robotic body at a distance. So – Absolutely. So I think that there's some of this idea of it. So I do believe that we're in an edge where cyber, cyber reality and what we've always talked about how our magical reality works, that imaginative world that we've created, are merging in a way. I think that if you're a magician, you really need to pay attention or you're going to be just washed out just so fast. You're going to be washed out like the Amish. You're going to be washed out like so many people. It may maybe you have a great life, but my gosh, you're going to be left
1: behind in the dust of this history. Um. Well, I think that's true. But I also think that's true across the board. No, no matter what background one has, we're, we're living oh. in a time of extremely accelerated change. And if you're not paying attention to it, you you will find yourself far behind.
2: And so one of the things I want to talk about is that you have a lot of artwork. And now, yes, I do. Um, I know that you do. And actually, so if anyone's actually interested in your artwork and licensing
3: it for any purpose,
2: contact Witch and Famous Agency and and, and talk to L- Elizabeth Hamilton about the possibility of you being able to use some of your artwork because you create your artwork to be used. I mean, your original. You have clip art sets. You have various omnibuses. Mm-hmm. And part of the idea is that you, one of the things I think that motivated your early energy inside the sort of, and it was basically the publishing world, wasn't just to create art, but you wanted to create art that was shareable.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I was always about the message and the information. And although I love art and pursue it to some extent for its own sake, I mostly pursued it as a means of communication. Um, a means of communicating metaphysical ideas, philosophical ideas, uh, social ideas. And, um, it does no good in that respect if it's not shared. I mean, what, what good would it have done me to have a beautiful artwork that, what, that I put hours of effort into to convey, um, a deep message that appeared once in a, in a um, underground magazine with thirty subscribers. Uh, of course, I would like to see it more widely used.
3: And not that there's anything wrong with
1: being an underground magazine with thirty subscribers, but that's not the only place you want to see your your, your work appear.
2: I have news for you. Me and my 29 friends in our bomb shelter during this Mercury retrograde love your stuff. And we are going to hang on to it so that – and we're going to hang on to it after the world is all gone. We're the only 30 people remaining. And then you're going to ask, well, is that how important that was? But if you're everybody else outside the bomb shelter (laughs) – Now, your artwork, because of what you've done, has been conveyed all over the world. You have clip art sets, you have the omnibus, you have all sorts of artwork. And you have a lot of artwork that people talk about artwork that you spent hours on for Deep Message that people have not seen. You have a, you know, I do know for at least you have a doll set that no one's actually really seen.
1: You have paper oh, cutout set.
3: Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, there is a paper doll set on Costumes of it's the World. Yeah, it was gigantic. It's large. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it difficult. does still exist. It's just never been published.
2: And you have literally hundreds of pieces of artwork that haven't been published.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Okay. I, I've been so a very prolific so, artist.
2: So, and, and you do have things like that. So so if people are interested, because you've been in a lot of newsletters, I think you were one of the most published, at one time somebody was saying, you're probably one of the most published pagan artists out there. I believe And most people true. didn't even realize, and most people didn't even realize, because you did a lot of art for people early on, and a lot mm-hmm. of your artwork. So so a lot of your artwork. So let's talk about the meme culture for a minute. I didn't realize, you know, but you were creating pieces of artwork before the meme culture of the Internet. That got passed along in the newsletters. You had pieces of artwork which was then copied by magazine after magazine after magazine, copying from each other. Uh, mm-hmm. I know of at least one where you had the uh, the Celtic cross-bearded men, two bearded men facing each other, and their beards were the Celtic cross, or the Celtic uh, oh, knot. Yeah. yeah, I, I remember I'm- one of those. And that was like one of the most people. And you're, uh, of course, the Gaia tree, where you have all those animals in the tree,
1: mm-hmm.
2: has been reduplicated over and over again.
1: Yeah, that's been used quite a lot. Um, so,
2: yeah, you want say another one that you thought was used a lot?
1: Um. Well, there certainly are others so are, than you thought
2: <laughs> and so they were a form of meme before they even be. so they were kind of a form of meme that people copied and pasted into their magazines that they were still copying and pasting in a I mean literally copying. because
1: people. they were a message yeah,
2: and so you. I mean, it's like you mentioned the world
1: tree with the animals in it, but i mean that that was a, a visual statement of a fairly complicated piece of of theology. You know, I'm I'm under the impression that artwork is a much better way to convey theology or any other ideology um, that requires people's understanding versus versus writing. Because writing is, um, how can I put it, it's much easier to get caught in writing, whereas artwork will let the person's mind go, go to what is there. Um, I think that artwork speaks much more directly to the soul, much more directly to the higher self. And it can say so many different things at once, where writing can, can as a rule, only say one. And from my point of view, artwork is a much more pagan way uh, to communicate these ideas than, than, um, than the written word. And that was the attitude with which I pursued most of that artwork. And most of that artwork is, is highly patterned. And what I mean by patterning, um, I don't know if anyone else actually uses the term that way, but Lady Bitterwind always used that term to describe artwork that had many different ideas woven into it that were not obvious on the surface. Uh, and the kind of artwork where, where you can go back time and again and find more meaning in it. Uh, which hopefully you, you absorb subconsciously at, at when you first approached it, but intellectually it may take many times to see. Uh, and that was very much the kind of artwork that I have tried to do.
2: Right. I understand that. And that's something you because because you expect that artwork more so than anything else that you've done will outlast you. That your artwork will tell more of the message than anyone, anything else.
1: I suspect that is likely to be true. Yeah.
0: Well,
2: that's that, that's at least one of your presumptions, right? That you that you'll be remembered as much for your artwork as, as everything else, the organizations you have built, the, the energy you have built. If anything mm. tells your message, it'll be um, it'll be that that you left art. And to, to a certain degree, you still want to create more art. I mean, you want to build like stained glass windows. You want to, mm-hmm. you you have a desire to build cathedrals. And mm-hmm. in, in some sense, we've been talking about the idea of creating those uh, cathedrals in cyberspace because they're going to be just as lasting in some ways as if you were to build them in physicality.
1: I, I think that I think uh, at this point that's true. And you'll notice in recent years, a lot of the artwork I've done has been done specifically uh, for computer and on computer. Um, Or or it may have begun in some cases in a physical sense and then been digitalized and continued from there. Mm -hmm. um, I do perceive that as being a major form of transmission uh, of of knowledge to the future. In fact, I think in a lot of ways... um, Older, older older, ways of transmitting knowledge are not going to survive terribly well. And, you know, I'm, I certainly am not... Uh, there's nothing unusual in comparing this time to uh, earlier revolutions in communication, such as, as the movement from scrolls to books or from handwritten books to, to the printing press. And... Certainly not everything from the earlier form disappears, but a great deal is usually lost. Um one one of the one of the greatest um greatest losses from the ancient world was the poetry of Sappho, who was, who was considered one of one of Classical Greece um classical Greece's greatest poets. Very little of her work survives. And the, the reason it doesn't survive um there, there are a couple of reasons. One is that, that um, when um, communication moved from scrolls to books, they preserved what they could read, obviously. And Sappho wrote in a mm-hmm. dialect that was not the dominant dialect. And they didn't bother to copy a lot of her work because there weren't very many people who could read it. Um, and the same thing happened with, um, with the printing press. Um, Many of the older work that were not um, necessarily having great popular appeal did not did not get copied um, into the world of the printing press, and now it, now it's all becoming digital. And um, well,
2: I, and yeah. we're about to have our same disaster, I think, in a lot of ways because there were literally out of the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. Hundreds, if not possibly, you know, scores, Mm -hmm. hundreds, hundreds of pagan magazines, small pagan magazines, small pagan newsletters, photographs, probably in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of photographs of events, of people. There's probably recordings, uh, probably on cassettes, probably on other things of people who are this early history, which is just going to be lost
3: Mm -hmm. and just
2: lost forever.
1: And a good I mean, bit of it already yeah. has been
2: oh, yeah, some of it's been irrevocably lost. I mean, we've lost some of our stuff,
1: mhm, yeah, along the way and part of part of this is normal for life, mhm, but you know when you're talking about the history of a movement or a people, um, it can be a ser- a very serious thing to lose that, and um, one of the biggest problems in the pagan community is is the disconnect between generations uh where younger people have no idea what's already been done because nobody bothered to tell them or or leave a record of it and they go out and make exactly the same mistake that was made before because they don't know that somebody tried it and they don't know what came of it mhm I agree with
2: that I mean I think that's true and I think mm-hmm. so and I think we're in that sort of moment because I think we've been so we've been in a rolling sort of moment. And I don't know what it was like when the printing print was really established. I don't remember that life very well, uh, those lives hmm. very well. But I have no doubt I was a printer. Of course I was. Um, the soul that I belonged to would absolutely want to be a printer. I can't imagine it. But I can't imagine that basically it had two elements to it that I don't think people understood. And think we face it again. And I think that pagans have made a mistake again and again erring on the side of what I would call earth orthodoxy. And that is it took two elements for the printing press to really work. One was the continuous repeatability and the permanence of what they were creating and the ability to convey it from one life to the next. Literally, father to son was always possible. Even grandfather to grandson was possible. But with the printing press, we saw for the first time great-grandfather to great-grandson. A certain amount of those ideas, certain types of things. And Mm. the ideas we convey over 100 years some of the ideas would survive a 100 years, and now we have ideas because of the preservation of a certain amount of scrolls that got and ha- turned to handwritten books to turning printing press. We actually have knowledge that is probably thousands of years old, which has now become mm-hmm. common knowledge. Yeah. But you had to have a literate society on the other side.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, the printing press literally generated its own society. The invention literally invented its own society. The alphabet when it was invented generated its own society because it was magical. I mean, I have no doubt that people saw it as a magic, you know, the ability to create this beautiful paperwork and everything else and it was so powerful that it did disturb and disrupt everything so now, today. Today, we have the same thing, except I think we have the same problem. So I think pagans rejected literacy early on for earth knowledge, and then now they reject science for what I would call literature literacy. They want to be well-read. Pagans had to go from a society where their ideas were practically oral completely oral to a large degree, to pick up a ceremonial, or during the Renaissance age, to pick up the idea of books as a way of conveyor of their information. But if you read about magic, it was never books that conveyed the information.
1: That's a later day idea, isn't it? Um, It depends on on exactly when and what you're talking about, but yeah.
2: Or is it Uh, the opposite? go... Go ahead. I was going to say, or is it the opposite? Greek and Egyptian and all of those pagan religions basically were library religions, that they were writing, even though it was in scrolls and Mm handwritten books, weren't they already in this sort of written society?
1: Yes. Uh, There are are hundreds of magical texts that have come down from Egypt, Greece, and Rome. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this, this, considering how few of the texts survive, uh, people certainly turned. Um, magic magic. To, they, they, they turned to writing as a tool of magic as soon as they had writing um, right because you know any, any new communication technology the first things that are going to happen are porn and magic everything else will follow um, but humanity has see, I don't feel, priority
2: see I don't feel like that's happening this time I think porn is making the, the jump for the next one but I think magic has almost rejected the next jump of fire.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I really do. I feel really like we've, we, we're not seeing it. And what do I mean by that? I really think that we're making the jump now with our spiritual bodies, our sort of AIs and all these sort of spirit creatures that we're playing with.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think we're playing with a lot of things right now that are just amazing. In our cyber world, and
0: I'm not sure there's a
2: lot of witches that are making that jump.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that well, a lot uh, of them are suspicious of it. hmm I'm just saying. hmm uh, no, um, I mean, We'll see. Uh, I mean, yeah. We will see because you know, magic is magic, and life will uh, proceed. So in a in guess, a sense of the thing, so you think that art will la- outlast even writing in some ways? You believe that art is a better conveyor of information?
1: I think that's so. all. That yeah. Well, and consider, uh, people who might be listening, it, to, to the extent that um, when, when you think of ancient Egypt, do you think of the artwork or do you think of the writing? I suspect Mm -hmm. most people could name a single piece of writing from ancient Egypt, but can think of of one or more artworks. Um, So the same with Greece and Rome. I think that they're much more likely to recognize the art and the writing, although obviously Greece and Rome have more writing that is better remembered. Uh, But all of these cultures have a lot of writing that has survived. Um, But I think almost anyone would be more familiar with their artwork. And um, so, yeah, I think artwork is a major way of preserving uh, and transmitting knowledge and ideas.
2: I think it is. So if you want to find out more about Don's artwork, one, just check out the web. And you also now have a coloring book and other art available to you. So how can people contact you and find out your information? I know they know it, but this uh, was let's than nobody
1: else knows knows. <laughs> well, if you actually wanted to contact me, the best way is through my email, which is donlewishb at aol dot com. Uh, but you can also find very um, various aspects of my work at places like brellianpublishing.com dot com or the the corestore dot co um, and witchschoolstore and uh and through the Witch and Famous Agency.
3: There you go.
2: There's so lots of different ways so, to contact. You're saying?
1: Lots of possibilities. Many Absolutely. addresses,
2: one artist. There you go. Well I want to thank you, Don, for spending some time with us during this Mercury retrograde. And you know, and so do you have any last tips for everybody before I let you before we bring an end to our show tonight?
1: I, well, I do, and, and that is to remember that magic is there uh, to help you not be bound by things, not to bind you. Uh, it, it should give you freedom, and it should give, give you uh, tools with which to build a better life, not, not lock you in some little tiny box. And um, whatever your circumstance, your metaphysical knowledge should open your doors, not close them. And whether you're looking at Mercury retrograde or anything else, um, do not allow limitations you do not actually require.
2: I think that's the best words I could say. So with that, we're going to say goodnight, and we're going to be back next week where I'm going to teach you 10 magical hacks and teach you about them. what happens when magic becomes exponential. And uh, we've done some really exponential magic, so I think we're going to have some fun with that. And uh, I want to thank Don for being here tonight. And he'll be back in May with his regular. The Crowley family, I will be back in May on a regular basis. In the meantime, follow Don everywhere out there. Um, for those of you who are following the Daily Spell Network, this Sunday, 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 our own Reverend Lori Denham will be doing ask at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And on Monday, the, the magnificent Reverend John Anastasio will be doing ask on Monday. I think 7 p.m. Eastern time, but he's on, he's on the West Coast, so I'm not quite sure. So watch out for on um, the thing. Follow us on all our social media. We're just out there. We're giving you the information that you want, and uh, and we're really very grateful for all that. So um, Don, let's say good night, and I'm going to finish this off with Spile Riddles' I am Pagan.
1: Good night, everyone.
0: Night. I am Pagan and I'm proud. I am pagan,
3: gonna shout it loud.
0: I am pagan, want the world to know that I follow the goddess cause she rocks my soul. Don't need your
4: Listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight.